3: The following podcast contains explicit language.
2: My friends and I play a game, usually to get drinks. We will bet a guy that he cannot guess what we do. Amy lives in Cambridge. She's 26,
0: a Harvard grad, and super hot. But despite trying, despite going to bars and playing games like this one, she's still single. They'll ask questions like, "Oh, are you in communications?" And it's like, well, "Well, sort of." She's actually been single for the past four years, and the reason why we think has a lot to do with how she answers this most basic question: "What do you do?" Or, "Do you work in the nonprofits?" Yes. Just saying what she does for a living it brings up some of the most essential questions we have as human
2: beings. Someone has guessed, "Am I a speechwriter?" I was like, "Well, kind of <laughs> sometimes."
0: Every other Sunday. So communications, nonprofit work, speechwriter on Sundays, I bet you can guess.
2: You don't necessarily talk about money, politics, religion on a first date. But when someone asks, what do you do? Because that's usually an acceptable topic of conversation. And you say you're a minister. All of a sudden, it's like that big thing that you don't talk about on a first date is suddenly right there on the table.
1: I try to be pretty honest with it and bring it up before the first date, because there have been situations where people have just kind of stood up and walked away.
0: Joining Amy is Kara, who lives in D.C. and is on her way to becoming a priest for the Episcopal Church. And she's gay.
1: So in the queer community, you have a lot of people who've been hurt by church and been told that, you know, to be Christian means that you can't be gay or vice versa. Today on the show, we have a panel
0: for you of three Christian ministers And this is not a random sampling at all. These are friends of friends who are willing to come on here and talk about their dating lives. So they're from pretty modern, progressive communities. Our third addition to this chat is Nick. He's a youth pastor here in New York, and you can tell that he's not your traditional idea of a youth pastor the moment you meet him.
3: Being someone who's heavily tattooed as well, I think it throws people off a little bit.
0: Um, so, just so people can see your look, do you want to try to describe it or do you want me?
3: Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> there's, there's a
0: chain around your neck. <laughs>
3: yeah, there's a. I have like a chain around my neck. I'm wearing all black. I've got With like a, a band t shirt. Seven seconds punk rock band tee on that's heavily torn. <laughs> I just woke up uh, this morning and told my stylist give me the homeless punk rock look, essentially.
1: <laughs> I, I've had an interesting situation. I've only had my collar since Saturday. You know, it's difficult for people will will do a double take with me because I actually look really good in my collar. And you can tell that people <laughs> like are having this moment. They're having this moment of, oh, she's cute. Oh, wait, what? No, I can't think that. And uh, it's it's oh, interesting. <laughs> it's been fun. That happened
2: at a wedding I officiated. The groom's father. <laughs> Said to me, "You're the most attractive <laughs> minister I've ever seen. You shouldn't be a minister." I'm like, um oh, that's oh, an wow. Wow. I, I
1: love, love that. You're you're too pretty to be in ministry." I'm like, "Oh no, oh, yeah. wow. I'm not. Like, what do you expect?" It's so rough.
0: So for me in my career, I've it's always been easy to date other podcasters. Which <laughs> now I'm at a point where I just can't do that anymore. There aren't any left. But um.
3: <laughs> blown right through the podcast. Just look at now. the top
0: charts; they're all up there. Oh
2: my gosh!
3: Incredible. Um,
0: but for you guys in your line of work,
1: can you date someone who is part of the work that you do? So in my church, we have a title for it. Oh, like in the Episcopal Church, you're called a clergy couple. So you can, mm. but then in an already limited job market, uh, yeah, both exactly. of you will have to find a job together.
3: I think that would be ideal for me just having someone yeah. understand the kind of ins and outs of what goes on in ministry and I guess have less opportunities the to schedule. Have to, yeah. The schedule. And yeah, just not having to have to explain yourself all the time.
2: For the UCC, my denomination, we have a lot of um, really strict boundary rules. So, mm. you know, it's really frowned upon to date someone who's a member of the staff at the church you're working at, even if they're wow. another minister. And same goes for you don't date a congregant. That's grounds for, you know, big discipline issues. Wow. But, um, I would love, you know, to meet a cute single minister from a nearby church because for all the reasons Nick said, it's so great to to have someone that really understands kind of from the inside of what the life is like and what the demands of the job are and also someone that you can kind of talk shop with but not have to teach them at the same time.
1: I would just like to find a Christian. I don't think I need to share a job. Mm. I was a lawyer before I was before this and and I didn't want to find another lawyer either. So, are all three of you
0: looking specifically for a Christian in your dating
1: lives?
2: For me, I just want anyone who respects the fact that I'm religious and whether or not they themselves are religious, I want someone that likes that I am.
0: Would any of mm. you date an atheist? Yeah.
3: Yeah, I guess. I'm pretty sure I have. Yeah, I I definitely have.
0: What do those conversations sound like when they're explaining where they're at to you?
3: In my experience, it seems that, at least the way that I approach faith, more people are closer to Christianity on the broad faith spectrum than they would suppose. Mm. And so, yeah, it hasn't been too awkward, actually
1: in my dating life with atheists and agnostics has been actually some of the most rich conversations Mm. um, because you you get to, I mean, they're they're not going to be attracted to me for the power that comes with my position, which is a thing that happens, Mm. or because they're trying to work out some issues that have come with someone that has been in their life before. So uh, I've been able to have some really genuine and rich conversations. Some of my best friends now are atheists, uh, and we have great conversations, and that's been the case in the dating life as well. Mm. Explain that power Oh, God. Right. There's
3: so, I mean, it's like God it, answers pa- all of our prayers and yeah. like whatever we want to see happen, happens. It's pretty crazy.
2: <laughs> Weather control powers, you get that when you get your MDiv.
0: But no, but it's People might be starstruck. Just I feel like, you know, if you're at a wedding, the people who are in the wedding party have oh, yeah. a little more power than everyone else in the audience. Certainly, I feel like certainly. there's a little bit people of people put you on a
2: pedestal.
3: I think there's a fair amount of projection that happens. I think in congregations, sometimes people will make you out to be the person that is all the things that they themselves can't be if if it's Mm. an area of morality that they can't achieve then they expect you to if it's holiness or if it's you know compassion or whatever it is that they really see as being exemplary in a person then they kind of expect that you would be that
0: wait you guys aren't perfect
3: (laughs) so far from it
2: (laughs) The conversations where I bring up that I'm a minister or don't bring it up and, you know, try to kind of keep it out of the conversation is because two of the really common responses that I'll get is from someone who's an atheist and who either assumes that then I do not have capacity for reason and logic and starts. Mm -hmm. And I've been incredibly insulted before and very directly insulted by Mm -hmm. people. Give me an
0: example. Tell me about this guy.
2: Yeah, I was at uh, drinks at the Harvard Club as an alumni and there was a guy there, you know, we're all chatting and he they asked, you know, what school did I went to? And I said, Oh, Harvard Divinity School. Then, you know, oh, what are you gonna do? What degree did you get? Master of Divinity, what's that? And you know, go into the whole conversation and then this guy jumps in and goes, Well, I went to Cornell because I didn't want to go to a school that was founded on religious values mm-hmm. and then just starts saying like I wanted to go to a school that believed in science and asked me how old I thought the earth was and asked me when the New wow. Testament said the earth was created. And I was like, well, clearly <laughs> you don't know about religion because it's not in the New Testament.
3: Nothing's a bigger turnoff than the old earth, new earth combo at the bar. Right.
2: Yeah. And, <laughs> and then he starts telling me that I need to take philosophy classes. I need to learn about what Christianity really is. And I'm like, I have an advanced degree in this subject.
1: Okay. That's a whole other level of mansplaining right there. Mm-hmm.
2: Unfortunately, I was, felt confident enough that day to tell him off, which felt really uh-huh. good.
0: Take a hike. Good for you.
2: Yeah. Cool.
0: Wait, so can people
1: swear around you three? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. God, yeah. Yeah. I swear
2: all the time. Yeah. You should yeah. see me yeah, when I'm driving. I swore
1: walking in the door I stubbed <laughs> It was loud. I'm sorry. I don't even
3: it's have cathartic. to my toe to swear. <laughs> <laughs> right?
1: We, we also drink and get tattoos. I mean, that's a real thing. That's yeah, I have one. It's a cross. Yep. I, I have like six. <laughs> I mean, you know. It's a
3: prerequisite, the cross tab. Right.
1: And sex, Hebrew you
3: guys well.
2: do that? I mean, song of songs. It's yeah. the erotic part of the Bible.
0: <laughs> so we went over that one scenario, which is you you have romantic interest from an atheist. What does, how does that play out? The other one is a religious baggage that Amy pointed out. Hmm. Um, and I feel a sense of, personal i mean i'm curious to hear what you guys share about this one but i was almost thinking like for me this is so off topic i'm so sorry i just kind of can't help no, it no, bring it in <laughs> For For me, I'm thinking a lot about Donald Trump right now. Mm. And I'm just Mm -hmm. thinking about, could I date someone who didn't vote in this election or who felt very apolitical right now? Mm. And I just feel like I can only date someone who's done the similar work of thinking this through. So when I think about religious baggage, I'm thinking about you guys encountering someone who hasn't put the same level of thought and engagement into their religious life or faith. Is there a parallel?
1: Yeah, there's definitely a parallel. For me, I actually, before the election, was uh, talking with someone. We were exchanging text messages, and she said that she actually liked Donald Trump. And I was like, oh, we're done now. (laughs) I was like, I can't. And, you know, no offense to Republicans. I'm sure that there are some decent ones out there. But at this point, for me, as a gay woman living in this world and in this life, dating someone who would actively encourage and accept the type of language and behavior that Donald Trump exhibited and has— made okay in this country is not something that I could stand for.
3: I always try and, I mean, I'm horrible at it, but I always try and temper it with a certain level of compassion and understanding. I think one of the things that I'm drawn to most in faith, at least the Christian faith, is that Christ kind of keeps showing up with these unlikely characters as friends, and the religious folk at the time are pretty upset about that. So I always want to understand, like, who would be, whether it's politically or religiously or or anything who would be those people for me who would be those people that are the other are the yeah no thanks um don't want to spend any matter of time with you but yeah i mean in a dating scenario it's i mean you want to be with someone you like you want to be with someone that you agree with you want to be with someone that makes life easier and more enjoyable and more beautiful so
2: and that supports you for all your identities yeah
3: absolutely I think too.
0: And specifically for women, I think there's a safety concern too. Just the idea that someone could have voted in someone who was a known sexual predator and Mm. open misogynist. Yeah, yeah, there was a time where I could date, you know, someone with a George W. Bush cardboard cutout in his closet, and that felt quirky and charming. (laughs)
3: But now it's just different. It's was that a is that a real reference? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh wow, (laughs) beautiful.
1: (laughs) It was in his closet, though. It wasn't. Yeah, it was
3: a closeted bush.
1: Yeah. The closet isn't fun for anybody. <laughs> no, I, I think for me, this is a place where my dating life and my ministry life absolutely uh, diverge. So, in in my dating life, this yeah, isn't same. this isn't a battle that I want to fight. Um, in my mm-hmm. ministry life, reconciliation and and finding middle ground for all of us is absolutely part of my call and part of what I'm fighting for right now. So, I will I will talk and engage with people who. Have voted for a person that I disagree with. But uh, on the other hand, I, I, do I want to attempt to begin a long-term, serious, committed relationship <laughs> that requires vulnerability? Right. N- probably not.
2: It's like they can have a seat at the table, but not a seat in my bed.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Well so put. To put it
3: somewhat yeah. crudely. Yes. Well
1: <laughs> Perfect.
3: we got a t-shirt.
0: The other thing is, you know, I think this also is a moment in time this week where people are feeling such like a calling towards service or a calling towards yeah. community, and mm-hmm. then the question becomes: Is there even room for dating anymore?
2: Yes, there is. There's always room, says the bitter single girl. Make that
0: case for me. <laughs> Convince
2: me. <laughs>
1: um,
2: yeah. So, this. so when we had talked previously, and you mentioned, you know, do I go on a date or do I, you know, go and sign up and be an escort at Planned Parenthood? And immediately, I thought, well, why not make that be the date? You know, if someone, if you're trying to date someone who is like-minded enough that they think that service is important too, then find an activity that you can do together that is an act of service and then maybe, you know, get coffee after or get drinks after or, you know, something that can make it a little bit more intimate. But they say that working out with your, you know, with your partner is beneficial because of the endorphins and, you know, doing philanthropic works also makes you feel good. So those feelings might carry over into drinks and kind of help in that regard as well.
0: Let's take a quick break, but while we're away, will someone just take that idea and go with it? I really want someone to start that app. Some kind of meetup tool that helps singles volunteer together for the new world order. It's a free idea. It's all yours. Go with it. Okay, we'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. Let's pick up with Kara, who was just telling us what it's like to be a queer woman who's studying to be an Episcopal priest.
1: In the gay community, it's probably more difficult to be religious than I think I can even adequately articulate. And so I have a friend who is Catholic, and she's told me that it's easier to come out as gay to her Catholic friends than as Catholic to her gay friends. And I think that has definitely been my experience as well as I've gotten a little older, I've gotten more comfortable. And I don't know if this is unique to DC, but I doubt that it is. It's very difficult to be gay and be religious. What does that pushback sound like? Early on, it was people physically turning around and walking away. Mm -hmm. If someone at this point is my friend, then, then they already know. But if I'm just meeting someone for the first time, there'll be a lot of really strange looks, a lot of kind of assessing questions to kind of I guess, flesh out who I am and what I might believe and whether or not I'm going to judge them. You know, for me, uh, I, I think my, my call, I, I think of it as in the words of Barbara Brown Taylor, who's a wonderful Episcopal priest. Uh, and she says yes. that the call to ministry is first and last the call to be fully human. And uh, I try and express that I have all of these flaws and I am a perfect, perfect human. I'm perfect in my humanness, but I'm not perfect.
2: Oh, they gave me goosebumps.
1: Yeah, like this is this is the person that I am, and I'm comfortable and happy with who I am. Mm, and cool. I'm willing to engage in a conversation with you, even if someone in the past has hurt you. And if they've been hurt in the past, then it's going to be a conversation we're not going to date. And that's that's just how it mm. goes. Yeah, That's really great way of
0: putting it. Has that happened to you before where a date turns into a counseling session?
2: Unfortunately, so many times.
1: People find me, and they will just start talking right. about... <laughs> The Odyssey is the big one, which is uh, the existence Mm. of evil in this world. I get that one all the time. Uh, Why do bad things happen? Wait, do you guys get this too? Yeah, yeah, that's a big question. Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah, it's the age-old question, right? If God's good Mm -hmm. or if God's real, then why is the world so shitty?
2: Book of Mm -hmm. Job right there.
3: Wow.
2: That's one of my favorite. I don't know if anyone's ever seen the show called The Midwife. But one of my Mm -hmm. favorite answers to that question I got directly from that show, which and then this this quote is said by an Anglican nun, and she's talking to a woman whose fiance has just died, and she says, "God is not in the event, but in the response to the event, in the love that is shared and the care that is given." And that's usually my kind of canned answer, and then I just end the conversation.
3: (laughs) That's a really good canned answer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's like a great answer. (laughs) It's a poem, but
2: imagine it with like this like elderly woman with a British accent. You know, Mm. it's just. <laughs>
0: good. I just, this is the thing that comes up when I talk about dating on this show all the time is, you know, I feel like movies and television told women that we'd just find him or her, that mm. it would just happen for you, that there'd be a mute, meet cute on a subway platform. <laughs> And then you kind of arrive in your 20s and 30s and you realize that this takes some level of work mm. and that yeah. there are a lot of things we were told to <laughs> totally. work towards our careers. We were told to get into a good college. We were told to, you know, research all the apartments and find the right one without bed bugs. But when it comes <laughs> to love, any kind of work feels like it goes against the agenda of it. Mm. There's this idea of fate and meant to be and everything happens mm. for a reason that I hear a lot from women. And I just I think we have to put some work into it or else it's
1: not going to happen. I would, I would happen. theologically push back against the idea that everything happens for a reason. Tell um, me and, everything. And the others, the <laughs> others are welcome to disagree with me on that. Um, no, I agree with you hundred I mean, percent. I, no, I agree. Yeah. I don't see God as a micromanager and everything <laughs> yeah. happens for a reason is, is that micromanaging thing. And so, um, Amy, I think what you quoted earlier from call the midwife is perfect. So God will be involved in the, in what happens after something happens. Or, or can be if mm. if you invite God in. Mm. But yeah. God doesn't necessarily cause things to happen or not to happen, and I think that's the same with my dating life as it is with why people get sick and die young.
3: And there's a, yeah. a lot of mystery involved.
1: Is there any dating advice
0: in the texts you guys study?
1: I had a, a professor in my ethics class, actually, in seminary, who said that what she can tell from... The advice that God gives in in the Bible is to have sex and garden, uh, referring to the Book of Genesis. And <laughs> it's a very literal um, interpretation.
3: And, yeah,
1: well, you know, <laughs> it happens, uh, and uh, I, you know, that's I'm not much of a gardener, really. So I, I don't get my, my <laughs> that, was a, that was from
3: really the, Bible. the perfect end to that sentence. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and for me, I'm not much of a gardener.
0: It's <laughs> good. Do you guys feel like being a minister can get in the way of your just general coolness sex appeal on a date?
1: <laughs> no. I Yeah, I personally I haven't good.
3: felt that. Yeah, I, I haven't. Yeah, I, I think it's so <laughs> strange how most young people have this idea of God as this like strict taskmaster that he is like keeping mm. score and so like the whole of their religious experience is really wrapped up in like what you do and what you don't do. I find it always exciting to kind of like Engage that and talk about how that's not my view of God at all. I think a lot of people are surprised by that. I think it's, that's good news for people to feel like if there is a God, that he's not pissed off.
1: You know, I have found that my ability to talk about God and to talk intelligibly in a non-judgmental way can be very attractive to people. And so I have mm. to be very cognizant of when that's happening. Because that's not yeah, a person totally. who's necessarily attracted to me. they're attracted to my relationship with God. Hmm. And for right. me, with where I'm coming from in my ministry approach, that's that's not okay.
2: Hmm. Oh, so I needed to hear that
1: yeah I mean there are people that I haven't dated because I can just tell the uh. part of the level of attraction you know it might be my blue eyes and it might be that I can talk about God. and is uh, there any
2: indication for you that that lets you know when that's happening i'm i'm like looking for advice like is that something that you say oh when this starts to happen that tips me off that they might be more into my relationship with god
1: it's almost ineffable but it's the way the questions are asked and the tone of the questions mm. so things yeah. stop you know it's not even necessarily that someone wants to talk about their relationship with God, but it's you know these these kind of like deep questions that have clearly been questioned yeah. that they've had their entire life and we're we're just getting mm-hmm. into something mm-hmm. that would indicate that at that point what they're attracted to is that I can talk intelligibly about God.
3: What's the fear in that 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 someone would be attracted to your relationship with God and not and not to your whole person or?
1: There's two parts to it. I think mm. part of it is that they're, they're attracted to this relationship. They're attracted to the idea of me and not necessarily actually to me. Okay. And then you get into that tricky situation with uh, the ethical issue that I have and that, that I think Amy expressed having as well, that you, know, you, you don't date someone that you are the priest or the pastor to, mm. period. Yeah. There's canon law against that in my church as well. Mm. So yeah. you just don't do that. Gosh, that's so frustrating, though, because it seems like it's the most logical pool <laughs> of people to date. I rarely say this, but this is one place where the Catholics actually do it reasonably well uh, in that, you know, mm-hmm. they, they force celibacy onto their priests, but they will also allow them to live in community together. Uh, and they actually encourage not necessarily monastic life, but but priests to live in community together. And so it allows you to be with people. Uh Yeah. And community and constantly practice. surrounded by support. Yeah, if you want it, I'm an absolute extrovert, so I have a, a I have a wonderful support network of friends and family that um, are more wonderful and life giving and sustaining than I could ever actually describe. Uh, and so I've been very intentional to create that space for myself. That's what I've had to do, and and for me, it's being single isn't that big of a deal because I have this community around me. Thank you guys so much for
0: being so honest and talking mm. about your unique dating experience. I hope we are able to do more dating walls in the future, but this was <laughs> this the was perfect one to kick it off That's with. a good one. Thanks for having us.
2: Yeah, thank you so much.
0: That's it for today's show. I am so thankful this year for our editor, Hilary Frank, and our producer, Lindsay Cradwell. I'm thankful for Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. And I'm just thankful for Panoply. I'm thankful for our music from Andy Mickless, Casey Holford, and Lee Rosifer. And I'm thankful for our artwork. It changes every week, and it was made by Teddy Blanks from Chips.nyc. Before we go, if there's any straight guys listening, we have a question for you. It comes from Amy.
2: What's your immediate reaction if a girl were to tell you that she was a minister? What's going on in someone's mind when they hear that? And what would be a way to to kind of bring up that topic without being too intimidating?
0: Okay, so guys out there, send an email <laughs> to yoy at panoply.fm. Amy, you're in Cambridge area?
2: Yeah. Never know. know. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Date me. <laughs> this is like the ultimate personal sad. <laughs> <So good>. Right? <laughs> Next time on YOY, we investigate a dating app for turkeys. You swipe left to carve. You swipe right to pardon. It's called gobbler. Turkter? Something like that. <laughs>